Do you like all things spooky? How about chilling stories that have you reaching for the covers? In this podcast, we're going under the covers to delve into all things from chilling haunts to your worst nightmares. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emily. And this is why we don't Don't sleep sleep alone. alone. Hey, Emily. Hi, Morgan. (laughs) What's up? Not much. Happy spooky season. Happy spooky season to you, too. Oh, my gosh. It's October. Yes. It's almost Halloween. I'm so excited. Can't wait. Halloween is very special to me for a number of reasons. One, favorite holiday of all time. And <laughs> Good one. Two, uh-huh. uh, it's kind of like my anniversary. Because you're a spooky girl. Yes, She's I a am. spooky girl as she wears a black bandana while we're recording this episode. I'm you're like, so edgy. Yes. You're like, so cool. I'm like the, like granola spooky girl <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. i'd eat that cereal <laughs> you better trademark that because somebody might actually make like a granola spooky girl like icon. hashtag yeah icon that's yep. what i was looking for <laughs> yep that's the one i'm up there with the kids yeah up with kids i'm up with the kids i'm cool cat Dog. I'm swaggerific. Swaggerino. Swagger. Yep, that's the one. You are literally the coolest person I know. Thanks. Uh, well, technically, you're not the coolest, coolest person I know. Um, I think our coolest, like the coolest people I know, is like our fans because they've been super supportive of us over the true that month. true that true that. Thank so, you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, we are so happy and excited that we've been getting the feedback that we've been getting. And just like super special thanks to David for helping us out through all of this. It's been a tough and a learning, not a tough process, a learning process. Exactly. Uh, so we just want to thank you guys so super much because we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for all the overwhelming Can't love. do it without you guys. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as a thanks, we're just going to talk about something disturbing once again. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) No more good feelings. That was it. That was our positive intro. Exactly. To get into the negative entire rest of the podcast. We love it. We're here for it. You're here for it, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump. You want to jump into this? You want to jump into this? Let's jump into this. Ooh, I'm about to dive in. Oh, 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 oh. That was rough. <laughs> that was the perfect segue I needed. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the Ant Hill Kids. Uh, which, which I've never heard of before until you brought this story to me. Well, you know, I'm good at finding these stories sometimes, you know. I'm cool like that. You really have the hookup. Yeah, I'm much cooler than... This guy, Rock Terrio, because he is, let's just say he's an interesting character. Yes. Interesting um, indeed. Yeah. And maybe not the best person in the world, you know. So Rock Terrio was born on May 16th in 1947 in Quebec, Canada. And his family life uh, growing up was not the most amazing. There were reports that his father was very abusive, 
but ultimately the father denied all of these claims. So what we do know is that he was forced by his parents to be an active member in the white berets, which, which was like, that was like a Catholic, like, I wouldn't say extremist group, but like they were pretty like hardcore Catholics, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were like hardcore Catholics. He would wear a white beret at mm-hmm. school and stuff like that. And his classmates and friends would make fun of him. Mm. So he started to kind of make connections of embarrassment with church. Yeah. Especially being forced to go. So he didn't really have a really good relationship with the Catholic church. Um, Either way, at a very young age, he found peace in the Bible and ended up dropping out of school in the seventh grade to teach himself the Old Testament, which he was very oddly obsessed with. Yeah, which we know the Old Testament is old for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Very good, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. That was like a really good observation that I just yeah. made. It's not the new. It's not like No, newer? not the New Testament. Oh. But the Old Testament. Oh. There's a reason why it's the Old Testament. Oh, okay. And there's a reason why they rewrote it. Not rewrote it. Yeah? Yeah? Do you? I don't know anything about the Bible. Yeah. Do you <laughs> go to church? No, I do not. Well, speaking of church, <laughs> he didn't go to church. And he instead just followed his own teachings and believed that the end of the world was coming, or as he described it, it was the battle between good and evil. And wanting to be on the right side of that fight, he started to go to church and followed the Seventh-day Adventists. And with this, took on their core beliefs of being holistic, no drugs, no alcohol, and healthy eating. Which, side note, he did have chronic pain. So adopting this kind of meant that like he had to not ignore his chronic pain but Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to be taking any like medication for it or anything like that so that probably kind of like aggravated him right in some way and their whole thing of taking care of yourself basically Mm -hmm. probably did help alleviate some of that pain naturally oh i'm sure And he actually was really successful in the church when it came to evangelizing and growing the numbers. He was super persuasive, which helped him to become very established. Mm. Like, everyone kind of knew who he was. Mm -hmm. He was known as the super outgoing, very persuasive guy. Super influential. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, it didn't really work out in his favor because in the mid-1970s, He was trying to move up to leadership in the church, but they had him removed for, quote unquote, unknown reasons. Once again, we see another another person removed from the church that, you know, has kind of like this very influential, manipulative, kind of like all those traits in their childhood and, and young adulthood, once again, be turned away from the church. Kind of sounds like he almost has like a very narcissistic personality, you yeah, might say. Lots of tendencies of narcissism. Yeah, thinking that you know everything and you're right. And that's why, you know, when you go into it with that type of confidence, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is the right way. I know what I'm doing is the 
thing to do, you know? It makes you very successful in gaining people in your church. Yeah, because people are attracted to success. People are attracted to confidence. Confidence. Ooh, you me soda. I mean, I got one right here. Would you like one? (laughs) I'll take a sip. It's Dr. Pepper. I... Dr. Pepper, sponsor me, please. (laughs) How good is it? (sighs) Good. Sounds delicious. Poppin'. And so after he gets removed from the church, he receives a message from God that he needs to start this religious movement to save people from the end of the world. Sure. And that kind of makes me also feel like the church knew what they were doing when they Mm -hmm. didn't want to move him up into leadership Mm -hmm. because he kind of sounds like a little off his rocker. Yeah. Just 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 a little bit. Just a little. There's like one thing to be like super religious, but it's like another thing to like take that like next step into being like almost obsessed with the religion Mm -hmm. that I think that's where I usually find my problem. And maybe that's where the church was also finding their problem and why they turned him away. Cause they were like, it's kind of weird, bro. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, we can tell your heart is not, not in it for the right reasons. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's in it for the following. And you can definitely tell he's not in it for the right reasons because he starts to seek out People in distress or those that are going through big life changes, a.k.a. feeling really lost, to recruit them in salvation for this religious movement that he's starting. Mm -hmm. And he tells all these people that God spoke through him and that they were meant to be guided by him and that their only way of surviving the apocalypse was through him. The war between good or evil... Or how he kind of, like, pitched it was an apocalypse, basically. Like, that was the only way that you were going to survive this war that was going to happen. Was through following him Mm -hmm. and his religious practices. Exactly. So, they quit their jobs. They abandoned their families. They moved to a commune free of sin where Roke preached about, like, equality and unity and how, you know, it was going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Um, So, like... My where I get caught up, seeing as I am now a family of three, is how these children or these these people just left their families. Right. Without like a fight or a question or anything like that. Like that tells you how much how much distress that they were in. Right. That they were easily manipulated to go with him, you know? Yeah, they would believe anything anyone would tell them just to get some type of relief from Mm -hmm. whatever stress or pain they were going through they also probably didn't want to risk this whole apocalypse and god speaking through him and all that kind of stuff that's a really good way to like make people feel like they have to choose one way or another i think that was kind of good on his part to do it that way whether god spoke through him or not but Especially because he started to receive a vision that the world would end in February of 1979. So it was going to end fairly soon to them. And they had to start making preparations in 1978. And they did this by moving to a very remote area in the mountainside called Eternal Mountain. So didn't he make his followers kind of like 
do all the work too? Yeah, he made them do everything while he relaxed and just told them what to do. And while he was doing this, he started to see that, oh, they're kind of working like ants, just mindlessly doing whatever he tells Mm -hmm. them to do. And that's where he got the idea for calling the following the Ant Hill Kids, as we know it today. And he kept them overworking themselves so incredibly much because then they couldn't think about anything else. They were just so overly exhausted. They didn't hungry, have- thirsty, the whole nine. Yeah. I mean, think about when you're hungry or you're thirsty, like dying for water. All you think about is, I just want water. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have time to think about anything else. It's preoccupying all of your thoughts. <laughs> exactly. And surprisingly, in February of 1979, guess what? What? The apocalypse didn't happen. <gasps> I know. No way, Jose. I know. I, I know I kept y'all on the edge of your seat, but it did not happen. Spoiler alert. <sighs> I know, right? And the followers started to become skeptical about his teachings, but he claimed that God's timeline works differently than the world's timeline of course that makes sense yeah totally that's why things were the calendars weren't synced up right right you know like god is just on a different calendar than well that makes more sense see and you would think people would believe that right i mean i do yeah but no they didn't and (laughs) the skepticism started to take a toll on terio and he started to develop a pretty bad drinking problem Mm mm-hmm he didn't know how to handle all these followers of his, doubting him. Not thinking that he's a god. And resorted to drinking. Mm-hmm. And then he also started to see that the followers were kind of wanting to leave because they didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. So he had to think fast. And what's the best way to keep someone where you want them? A child. <laughs> Precisely. Do you know something about this? Did you? Maybe like... Keep someone like that. But he loves me. Oh. It's fine. He loves me, though. But that's exactly what Terrio did. He started to marry and impregnate all the women of the commune, which was nine different women who then had a collective 20 children throughout the entire commune. Oh, my God. And, like, I can't speak for this because I'm not a mom. I mean, like, I'm a cat mom, but obviously Mm -hmm. I didn't. I've never birthed a child. You've never, I've never birthed a cat. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I never have either. So, <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be a like blood parent mm-hmm. per se. So, you probably have a much better take on the bond that this creates. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like the reason why I, th- I think this really truly worked was because now you have these mothers in a position where. They now have a child fathered by this man that they're following. And I'm pretty sure there were like punishments in place and whatnot for them to leave. But why would you want to leave if you have your child and your child's father? Like, I wouldn't want to separate them if I were a mother. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously he hadn't let all of the crazy out of the bag yet to really convince a mom to be like, okay, let's get out of here. 
But I could see the emotional attachment of why they wouldn't want to leave because he did develop like relationships with all of these women as crazy as that sounds. Um, So I think that just kind of like really put them, the mothers, in a situation where they felt like they had to stay, which was exactly what Roke wanted. So as the numbers grew to like 40 members, they obviously had to relocate because where they were in that tiny remote town, just it wasn't big enough, the commune that they had built. So in 1984, they moved to Burnt River, Ontario, um, which was even more remote than the last town. So this is where things start to get a little bit more restrictive once they move locations. At first, it just started with um, the members of the commune not being able to speak to outsiders. Mm -hmm. But now we had escalated to the point where they weren't even able to speak to each other unless Terio was in their presence. So because he didn't want gossiping or doubt spreading, which would weaken his, you know, stature that he stood on. Um, so they were at this time, they were also forced to wear like matching tunics, which helped symbolize equality in his eyes, or that's how he explained it. Um, but ultimately, it was just one more thing for him to control. And that's how they started to lose their identity, pretty much. Hashtag grooming. Okay. <laughs> so, um, hashtag grooming. Don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> so again, red flag. Right. Right. Um, so I'm going to put a little disclaimer at this part in the podcast, just because even for me and Emily to be researching this stuff, it was pretty bad mm-hmm. <laughs> things yes. we're about to talk about. So um, if you don't have your headphones in, I highly suggest putting in your headphones in at this point or um, maybe don't eat anything. If you don't want to feel sick to your stomach for the next hour, maybe take a small break and wait till break. you want to feel sick for an hour we'll be here when you get back yeah we're we're here for you we're here for you i'm here for you i'm here for you no i'm here for you no i'm here for you emily morgan i am here for you and i appreciate you you're supposed to say I'm here for you back. Okay. Well, I'm not here for you anymore, and I'm done arguing. Let's get into this. Are you listen? Are you ready? I'm not. I I'm not. We got this, Jude. Okay. So if any of the members ever thought about leaving, they would be immediately punished by beating them with belts and defecating on them and hanging them from the ceiling and plucking hairs from their body. So just like doesn't sound like a really good time. Nope. <laughs> You would also possibly get hit with a hammer as well. And that's like if you thought about leaving. So these are the actions that would happen to you if you had been thinking about leaving, if you were suspected for thinking about it, like anything like that. Other members would do this to you as well. The members that didn't think about leaving would have to prove their loyalty So these are the members that are already loyal. They have to prove their loyalty by doing things such as breaking their legs with sledgehammers, cutting off other members' toes or fingers with wire cutters, um, smearing feces on one another, sitting on lit stoves so you get burnt, Mm -hmm. 
and having to shoot each other in the shoulders so you wouldn't die, but you would have to go through the pain and having to eat dead mice or feces. So those are things that you would have to do to prove your loyalty if you weren't thinking about leaving. Either way, you're going to get uh, some pretty gruesome... You're going to get shit on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you're going to get shit on your chest. Yeah. Another reason you would get punished is if you didn't bring enough money during the bake sales, since that was their only source of income. What they would do is bake all these nice fresh goods mm-hmm. and then go down into the town to sell them. And that was the only money they got. Which sounds so innocent and lovely. Right? But it's not. And it's making me look at bake sales a little bit more differently. <laughs> Every time I think of bake sales, it just makes me think of all the horror things, like all the horrific things I've heard of people putting human related no. things into baked goods. I and will it never. Freaks me out. And that's why schools no longer allow you. No, I'm kidding. It's just because of the kid with the peanut allergy in your class, but. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I get it. T O E, totally. Because you don't <laughs> want a toe in your brownie. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. I am right up there tonight with my comedy, y'all. You should start a podcast. You really think so? Yeah, I think you could do it. I, th- I think you could do it. Do you want to do one together? I don't. I kind of like promised this other person that I would do a podcast oh. with them. So like. Well, let's just talk about this later and get back on topic. Yeah. Not only were the adults punished, the children would also be punished physically and sexually if they misbehaved. He did this by either tying or nailing them to a tree and then forcing other children to stone them. He would also hold them over fires in order to force their mothers to obey whatever he said at the risk of losing their newborn by getting, like, dropped into a fire. That is insane. Yep, I know. And one day, a man had been watching the children, and an infant refused to stop crying, so he ultimately shook and beat the baby into a coma to stop crying. And that's when Terrio found out what he did And immediately started performing surgery on this child and decided to perform a very botched circumcision that ended in the child passing away. Because he thought that was the problem. Exactly. That the baby wasn't circumcised. Exactly. And in order to punish the man for killing that baby, according to him... He castrated the fully grown man, and this marked the first death of the Ant Hill kids. It was this poor baby that just wouldn't stop crying, probably because it was malnourished yeah, or cold, hungry. Like, babies just cry. Sometimes they just need it. I just cry sometimes. Yeah. And it was just super unnecessary. And it is so bad and it hurts every bone in my body and every part and inch and sec- like centimeter of my soul. And something really, really big to note 
about any of the quote-unquote surgeries or medical procedures that we're going to discuss is that none of these are done with any professional knowledge or anesthesia. So everyone is completely awake, aware, and dealing with 100% of the awful pain. And Roke was like really obsessed with surgery and like the human anatomy too, which he that's where kind of like the narcissism comes back into play is because he read a book once he thinks he like knows everything about (laughs) surgery and because you know god is talking through him and all that kind of stuff he just feels like again he's feeling like he's king of the world because he's like "Mm, i'm the best thing that has ever happened i am the bag of chips and the soda on the side okay so with that being said it's like just because you read a book doesn't doesn't mean that you can perform, right? I don't know circumcisions. Um, there's a reason why people go to school and stuff like that. So, so shortly after the death of the first child um, with the botched circumcision, an infant was found laid out in the snow overnight to die. And some reports say that the mom did this as like a mercy kill because of all of the corrupt and like terrible things that were happening within this commune um while others say that like tarot ordered the mother to put the child out and and kill the child once that second death happened it gave child services enough evidence to come in and in 1987 they would remove the now 17 children and place them into foster homes so the mothers had the option to go with the children but refused out of fear that tarot would haunt them and kill them and find them and it was just Not a good time. So all the adult members were never helped and Tarot was able to continue his commune of horrors, basically. After the children being removed and all that kind of stuff, obviously people are pretty upset. Things are kind of like cooking up. Um, So he, his drinking problem gets even worse because he's starting to lose confidence himself. He's, he's starting to kind of like the ground beneath him is starting to shake. So After losing the children, the abuse kind of got a little bit more intense, which jump-started the cult trying to get back to the original religious practice. So to start this, he would hold purification rituals where members were in the nude, whipped with belts, butt naked, just going at it. Love that. Love that, right? Rihanna wrote a song about that. S&M. That's what it was based off of. Oh, yeah. Um, That... That's not official, so don't quote me on that, but it is. Um, (laughs) Tarot would claim that he had healing powers granted by God, and he started performing even more procedures such as circumcisions, uh, amputations, healing, quote-unquote, the sick, um, and injecting 94% ethanol into members' stomachs and even more. So I don't think the FDA approved of any of those, but... Probably not. Probably not. And when his wife, the first, honestly, the first follower that he had, Solange Boyard, uh, complained of adamant pain, he ordered her to strip naked and lie on the table while other members held her down because, again, no anesthesia. Um, so he could perform the following procedure. And I want to give another heads up because this is going to be kind of, kind of rough. <laughs> 
Emily's not okay. If anyone is ever wondering, I can't. I can't. I can't handle this part. I really, I really can't. It just, it's rough. He, hmm. Okay, Emily. He punched her in the stomach, then shoved a plastic tube up her rectum, so he would perform an enema with olive oil and molasses. He then cut her stomach open with a kitchen knife and grabbed her intestines, ripping apart out, re- like removing a part of his te- her intestines with his bare hands, um, stuffing them back in and ordering another member to stitch her up with a sewing kit. To finish it all off, he ordered another woman to shove another plastic tube down her throat and breathe air into it. You know, to bring her back to life. Um, unfortunately, she died later the next day, probably in some horrific pain. And it kind of breaks my heart just thinking about someone having to go through something like that. Mm-mm. Tarot obviously wasn't worried about it because he felt like he had the power of resurrection, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, God was speaking through him. Yep. And there was only one specific way to do this. Tarot took Boyard's body, drilled a hole into her skull, and made all of the males of the commune ejaculate into the drilled incision. This failed, obviously, and he took one rib to keep in a leather case around his neck and then buried her body not too far away. (laughs) Are you okay, Emily? No. That was rough. That, I just, I can't fathom the amount of pain that was. And I also just can't even fathom like being Being a follower and seeing him do something like that. And having to hold her down as all of this is happening. (sighs) Like I can't, I really, I can't put myself in, in that kind of situation. I also can't even understand how the males of the commune were able to whip it out and just go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. In a whole. I'm sure fear really drove, took the front seat on that one because it, they were so afraid of disappointing him because the punishments were so bad. I feel like they felt like. Well, they also just saw him murder her through this procedure. So they're probably even more terrified. They're like, I feel like my quivering member would be just (laughs) (laughs) would just like get sucked up inside of me after seeing that. That's not even the worst part. No, that was just the first of many really, really terrible stories of these insane surgeries he would perform on people. And there was one specific member that had it worse than anyone else. And that was Gabrielle. You got this. Lavalier? We don't speak French, guys. We're trying. I'm trying. I watched a video on how to pronounce it. I still think I'm butchering it. But I watched a video on the pronunciation. Gabrielle Lavalier. And she was never a favorite of Thoreau. Interesting. He didn't prefer her 
he really didn't. She kind okay. of was always, like, left behind. There was just something about her that he didn't like. And she complained of a toothache, which caused the road to forcefully remove eight teeth with pliers from her mouth. I hate anything dealing with teeth or eyeballs. So, mm-hmm. like, ooh. no, nope. Ooh. Having to pull, ooh. And again, no anesthesia. I just, I can't. And then later in the middle of that night, he chased her with a knife for some reason and ended up cutting a tendon in her wrist. Uh, She also suffered her genitals being burned by a torch. Oh, my God. She had a hypodermic needle that got broken off in her back. And she also had a bad infection in her arm because it had been broken and no medical attention was ever done to it. So it started to get a really, really gross, Mm -hmm. bad infection, incredibly painful. And she finally had enough and was going to try to escape, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately failed. And on her return, Throw smashed her head with the blunt side of an axe cut off part of her breasts, uh, removed one of her fingers, and then had her stick out her hand onto the kitchen table and took a knife and stabbed her hand into the table so she was unable to move, then proceeded to fillet her arm with a carpet knife over about an hour or two until it ultimately was amputated. She, after all of this, is still alive and just lied on the kitchen floor until the next morning when they stitched her up. And it wasn't until 19 days later. So she survived all of this. That... is what blows my mind the most out of all that. Like, I understand that, you know, it wasn't like a vital organ or anything like that. But I feel like, how did she not? Yeah, like, that's all I can think of is just blood loss and then exhaustion, malnourishment, all that kind of stuff just was really working against her. So it just kind of blows my mind that she survived. Honestly. And she finally was able to escape and made it to a nearby hospital where she was saved. Yay. It's it's ridiculous. She does all of these interviews and like has a book written and all of this stuff about her escape and like mm-hmm. everything that went down there. And it's just absolutely insane. And, and a it, lot of the other cult members don't really talk about it because right. they're kind of still in fear. Like there's that little part of them that's just like afraid. Yeah. Which is okay. But I'm glad that, you know, she was able to get out safely and survive and be alive enough to tell the story. And it was because of her, police were alarmed at what was going on. Mm -hmm. And they ended up going on a search for Thoreau for six weeks. And that's when they finally found him. And he was tried on... 84 counts of brutality and the death of Boylard. 84 counts of brutality. 
I believe it. I mean, if he's like cutting off people's toes, he's forcing people to, you know, bash their own knees in, stone other people. Like, he has to be held responsible for all of those acts. Exactly. And he was held responsible. He was found guilty and sentenced originally to only 12 years in prison. Only 12. But once they recovered the body of Boyard, he was sentenced to life in prison. So if it wasn't for finding her remains, he would have mm-hmm. only had 12 years and probably less because he probably would have gotten out on parole. Yep. Because of his narcissistic personality. Mm-hmm. Getting in with the cops, like doing playing that whole character. Exactly. And at one point, he actually was up for parole, but didn't try for it since he was scared that people would like basically hunt him and try to kill him if he ever got out of jail. Which if I was a parent or family member of one of the people that were a follower with Tarot and I had heard about all the horrific stories, I would hope that he would be afraid to leave jail. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it's really funny because he was so worried about not going on parole because he was worried he was going to get killed and all that stuff. But funnily enough, on February 26, 2011, Matthew McDonald, Tarot's cellmate, went up to the guard station and handed them a bloody shiv saying, and I quote, that piece of shit is down the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. What? I know. <laughs> And then the guards run down to the cell and they find that Thoreau has been stabbed in the neck and died from blood loss at 63 years old. But could you imagine the stories he was probably telling and the crap that he was probably spilling out to this guy in his prison cell? Like, if I were his prison mate, I would probably go crazy. Yeah, I'd get so annoyed. I'd be like, can you please stop talking about yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. just calm down. You're really not all that. And he would probably try to control his cellmate as well. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he was probably one of the worst people to be around. Mm -hmm. Especially, this is is Canada, you know? They're known for being nice. (laughs) I just feel like the one time I went to Canada, it really was a really nice place. I feel like it always, usually it always is. Like, anytime that someone goes and visits there, I always hear great things. Yeah. But, so, I think that also probably had a toll on people and, like, the media. I feel like hearing about, like, such a monstrous of a man to do these horrific things, I'm sure that just captivated everyone and everyone was along for the story. Yeah. But, I mean, hopefully people started to get some sense of peace now mm-hmm. that... He's not around anymore. He's not going to, you know, do anything. They could stop living in fear. Exactly. That one day he would get out and find them. Exactly. Now it's over and it's just up to the members to try to have a sense of normalcy. How How are you supposed to go back to normal life? Dude, how do you recover from and how do you recover from that? It's wild to me. And like the sweetest thing is. Those people that are, like, trying to recover from it. Gabrielle was able to reconnect with her daughter. And they were able to work out a, like, system with her foster mom. And, like, 
she was able to actually start to build a relationship with her daughter again. Don't make me cry. I know. And it's like, it's just so, it's so sad. It's so cute. And, you know, I just really hope, I hope that they're I'm really trying to, to hold it together here. <laughs> I know you're such a sap. But it's also because you're a mom, so. Yeah, that you, would be. If you lost your kid and you were able to. Thinking that you would never see that child again. Yeah. Like, that was the decision that Gabrielle made, handing over the child to child services. Yeah. Like, I will probably never see my child ever again and see the person that they will become. And I'm just glad that she got to have that (laughs) now that I'm crying. (laughs) Well, you know what fixes tears? What? Nice, cozy blankets. (gasps) The office. Mm Mm-hmm. Bag of chips and some coffee. I'll take it. It's so, a date. You wanna You wanna Yeah. We should go do that. Yeah. So if anyone ever comes up to you saying that God has spoken through them and that you need to follow them to a remote location in the woods. Don't suggest I, I don't suggest you doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I would just think about it. Yeah. Take a step back and Sleep on it. Just remember, when you do go to sleep, don't don't sleep sleep alone. alone.